Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, it's time for Market Watch with our friends at Cadence and our other member of the band, Prath Ready. What's up, Prath? What's going on, guys? Good to be back in the house. Yeah, good to have you. Sean Linda, you in the house? I'm here. I just want to say a special welcome back to you, big bro. It's good to have you back on air. You're kind of you're gone for a little minute, but it's good to have you back. Good to feel your energy again. So let's get it popping. I appreciate got, that. We got Prath. Let's do it. All right. Well, and again, I appreciate the welcome back. Had to take a little leave, but I am here. Uh, and it's one of my favorite shows that we do, Market Watch with Caden. So Prath, so Sean. Recently in the news, we've had President Biden's infrastructure plan. It's been unveiled. Sean, why don't you start us off? What, what, are, what are your thoughts on this? Um, you know, I, I always like an injection of money into into the into the economy. But, you know, I'm kind of a little bit concerned about how much it is. You know, it's, it's more than my bank account this time. Two trillion dollars. You know, so I'm just like, <laughs> what is this going to do? What is the impact? Is going to be inflation? You know, it has me a little bit worried. That's why I tried to bring on the A-team today to help flush it out. You know, so Prath. Do you have anything, you know, a little historical facts, anything you want to share facts wise of what, what this whole plan is, is about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, personally, I'm super excited about it because I think everything that's been going on the last year in terms of stimulus has been pretty short term and consumption oriented. But this plan is more about the long term and, you know, getting the economy back up and running by creating jobs and, you know, building infrastructure and stuff that we all need and stuff that's crumbling and it has been crumbling for decades. So uh, I think, you know, on the margin, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, and just going through, uh, you know, a few of the, the big high level items. So the proposal comes just a few weeks after, you know, the, uh, the $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package, uh, which was signed into law, uh, which, you know, ultimately sent out 1400 stimulus checks to most Americans and extending unemployment benefits. Um, the American Jobs Plan, which is what this is being called, uh, is expected to be followed by a second uh, economic package in April that includes a, a major expansion in health insurance coverage, child care subsidies, free access to community colleges, and other proposals. 
Um, Republicans and prominent business groups, uh, such as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, have already come out against the plan, uh, particularly the proposed tax increases, uh, arguing that they would damage U.S. investment and global competitiveness. Uh, the White House's stance is that higher taxes would offset concerns about adding to the federal deficit. Uh, and then meanwhile, you know, economists are still debating whether Biden's last major bill will overheat the economy and trigger cycles of inflation in a compounding Republican spending worries. So a lot to unpack there, clearly. Well, the $2 trillion infrastructure plan has three major components. So let's, we're going to break it down and go point by point on, on these. So first, there's the fixing and repairing part of this infrastructure plan. At least $621 billion would be spent to rebuild more than 20,000 miles of highways, roads, and repair more than 10,000 bridges. We have major airports that would undergo significant facelifts. Roughly 500,000 new electric vehicle charging stations would dot the, the national landscape by 2030. More than $200 billion would be spent to update or build 2 million affordable housing units. Clean, lead-free drinking water would flow into thousands of schools for the first time at the cost of $111 billion. I'm hoping they can throw some of that money at Flint and fix their water situation. Um, $18 billion would be spent to update veterans' hospitals, some of which haven't been significantly updated in more than 50 years. Um, and so basically, how does all this spending, how, how would that change people's lives Like the, in, from this section, the fixing and repairing? Any thoughts on that, Sean? Well, I like this first part of it, to be honest. I'm really a huge fan of it. I just think it's 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 equalizing what's what's been needed a while for America to remain competitive as far as like fixing the infrastructure. So many governments in the past have talked about it and I've, it hasn't really rolled out. Like, I mean, for those that have traveled to like Europe and, and Asia and those places and to get on these super fast trains and then come back to America and take um, our train system, if you want to call it that, I've taken it to Canada. It was like oh, watching paint dry, you know, so I think just that alone, like, would encourage, would do a lot. And then let's not even talk about employment, you know, and people having to up their skills to, to build all this infrastructure. I just think this section alone will do so much for the economy. And then even getting back to what you said about the water, I, mean, I have, like, personal experiences. And I think you perhaps may have came in once. Like, I've taught in inner city schools. And one time I went to use a water fountain. And they literally, the students stopped me in the middle of my track saying, like, you can't drink from that water fountain. It's lead poisoned in it. So I have a personal relationship with that. And I think... You know, doing all those things, um, just, you know, it's really, a, like they said, it's title, it's repairing. America needs repair for being some of the number one country in the world. Like, all these things that they should should have been done, as we say, had been done a long time ago. So I, I like this part. What do you think, Pratt? I, I, well, Pratt, just real quick, I have a, a possibly naive question for the room. Mm -hmm. But how is this, or is this a partisan issue? It seems to me Republicans, Democrats, independents, I don't care what's your, your what's your you know Methodist Catholic Indian. I don't care who you are, what you are. It seems like what is to not agree with on an infrastructure plan? I, it's just baffling to me if this is partisan. Yeah, I don't think anyone disagrees that we need better infrastructure and that there needs to be a focus on it. I think the disagreement lies in how we're trying to um, finance it, right, and how how we're gonna how we're gonna pay for it. So everything outlined here, I think everyone gets the joke that our airports are terrible, that the train system is <laughs> a joke, and you know the rest of the world is way ahead of us in, in a lot of these categories. 
Um, it's just a matter of, well, who's going to put the bill? Is it going to be people? Is it going to be businesses, corporates? Um, that's really where the, the disagreement lies. Um, but I think, like I said before, long term, like even if it does come out of corporations' pockets or, or people's pockets, you know, the amount of spending going on here should kind of outweigh the, you know, the increase in tax liabilities and kind of, you know, less of a bottom line to a lot of these profitable companies to begin with, if we're going to go the corporate tax route, that, you know, the ends certainly justify the means. And and anyone, you know, opposed to the, uh, the, the way uh, in which this is going to be financed, at least the way that the Biden administration has, has put this out, I think has a short-term view and a short-sighted view. That's just my own personal opinion, though. And taking off your economic hat, Pratt, and putting on your cadence hat, do you see cadence? Like, are they? Are you guys able? Are you guys been talking about this in the board meetings? Like, get, taking advantage of like some of these infrastructure initiatives as far as investments is concerned. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of this money ultimately is going to land into um, you know construction and industrial companies that need to manufacture a lot of the you know literally like the steel and you know all the <laughs> the nuts and bolts that that need to go into to building all this stuff. So naturally, those businesses are going to need to uh, you know raise capital to be able to handle the influx of orders that are going to come in from you know publicly funded infrastructure projects like this. So if they do need short-term you know interim financing for um, like inventory and just kind of, you know, uh, boosting hiring and all that stuff. You know, I think that's where our platform can really, you know, shine uh, to, to make sure these businesses are getting well funded to, to handle the, the growth that's coming up here. Nice. Another section of this infrastructure plan is being competitive and leaping ahead. Sean, you want to break that one down for us? Yeah. And I like to say, although, you know, I'm, I'm worried about this plan, this whole trillion drop, two trillion dollars going to the economy. I like how it's laid out. I really do. I mean, they set the foundation by like, let's fix the problems first, you know, set this solid foundation and now figure out what we need to be competitive and, and stay ahead of our competitors, i.e.g. China and, and move forward for the next generation. It's really thinking about the next generation as well. You know, so you know, like I can sit comfortable with my children knowing that this plan is being thought of in 2021, you know. So one of the things they talk about is building a new backbone for the economy. E example, 5G broadband. And I have 5G on my phone and you know, it's funny. I hit so many dead spots so I can understand it. Like, and I have 5G. I'm like, whoa, this is great when it's working, you know? So I, I agree with that. And I can't imagine being in rural areas, you know, what's happening with broadband. We are, we have a luxury by living in New York, but you know, there's some rural areas in America where they still probably must be hearing that noise. So I, I, I agree with that one. Advancing manufacturing, like electric cars. I, I don't even know who's still debating fossil fuel cars over electric cars. I, I just don't even know how that's still even a debate and an argument and people are still like fighting for, you know, non-electrical cars. I, I don't get it. Um, government intervention, efforts to drive the direction of the economy to be competitive. This is all tied into fight of climate change and staying competitive with China. Like, once again, I don't know who is debating and fighting over climate change. I mean, I, I, these things just make no, they just I mean, seem like such a... Sean, it's, a no-brainer. It's, it's probably the, the the people and the power base that own the auto industry and the uh, climate. You know, like like people who want to keep the status quo. If I'm building cars exactly. and selling oil and gas the old way, I don't well, want you. It's the business old guard. 101. You don't even have to go to business school. It's to be a successful businessman, you have to adapt to change and welcome change. That's like first chapter of like business survival. Not trying to resist trying to adapt, pivot, and move, and keep moving forward. These same fossil fuel companies, they can pivot. They are. Like Ford is pivoting to electric. They are pivoting. 
and they can retrain people. I'm sorry. I mean, I know those people in the Midwest may be killing me right now saying, oh, you know, we've been doing coal mining and oil digging our entire lives. It's gone back 10 generations. Okay. Okay, great. It lasted that long, but it's time to, to change. Like, it's time to change. This all ties to, like, making less car- carbon. And I do believe the government needs to get involved to help direct this for these people, these lobbyists that are pushing against something that is good for their children and their grandchildren. So, you know, I'm always about limited government intervention, but I definitely see the need for government to get involved to make sure we have our plans are directive towards clean energy. Yeah. And from a market perspective, you know, I think obviously it's great to see government intervention and coming in here and, you know, boosting the the level of spending going on, you know, in key areas like like green energy and stuff. But, you know, the private sector has also been, you know, keenly focused on, you know, green energy and, you know, made a ton of investments over the last couple you know, decades really, but particularly over the last 10 years, and they've been rewarded by investors. They, they have, you know, all-time lowest cost of capital towards green projects. Um, their equity share values have a premium associated with them because they've pivoted, in, in Sean's words, into the right direction um, at, at crucial kind of junctures within their company where they could have decided, you know, we're going to uphold the status quo or we're going to adapt to the needs of the environment and we're going to listen to our constituents and we're going to make some key investments in, in green energy and you know here we are five ten years later after they made those strategic moves and they're a lot better off than their peers so i think uh, it's great to see the top-down effect of government spending kind of leading the charge here but it's it's to an extent ha- has been led to a, a degree from a, a host of different private sector companies um and now you know they're finally kind of getting that all those decisions validated with uh with this plan in my opinion Well, the third major component of the infrastructure plan is investing in people who make the economy work. And what we mean by that is, number one, giving them the needed skills, you know, training people, home and healthcare workers, predominantly black women are underpaid $12 per hour. You want to pay those type of workers more. The American Family Plan, investing in education like pre-K and higher education, community college for free, having affordable childcare. And finally, creating job initiatives and funding women to be able to work more hours. So, you know, that, that ties in with the affordable child care. Um, Sean, Prath, any thoughts on the investing in people who make our economy work? I mean, to me, another no brainer. I mean, women in the workforce has proven now for at least 50 years how valuable you are and the added value that they do. So if you can make it accessible for them to commit to a career like a man, man camp, I just think it's so much added value to the economy. So I don't even know how people will debate that one once again. And, you know, once again, it's directing, understanding people's value. If this pandemic hasn't taught you how important nurses and doctors and medical aides are, then then once again, you've been sleeping. So to pay them what's due so they can have a quality of life and commit more to their career, once again, a no-brainer. That's government money well spent. To me, these are the initiatives that government should be working on instead of a lot of other things that I think are nonsensical. But this all makes sense. Prath? No, I couldn't agree more. Um you know, I think they're targeting the right areas here to, to help narrow the, the gender pay gap, um, really getting at the heart of it, the crux of the issue, which is really, you know, child care and, and, and who's, you know, kind of the de facto, um, you know, parent in the household. And, and ultimately that affects kind of, you know, career prospects long term. So creating a more balanced playing field here where, you know, folks can get um, child care and affordable child care and, and making sure that, you know, women aren't always, um, you know, the, or, you know, the intended primary caregivers in every circumstance where they have the relief that, that men have historically gotten to be able to advance their careers, I think is huge. So 
I agree. Total non-brainer or no-brainer rather. Well, exactly. well we, we we titled or we we set this off saying that there's three major components, but there's a couple of other layers that we can also touch on. Um, the, the racial equality air, uh, layer. Sean, any any thoughts on that? Oh my God! To me, you know, I gotta give uh, President Biden credit for like taking the elephant out the room and really emphasizing the need for racial equality and really understanding that you know, how America's history played in the fact that there wasn't any and, you know, the laying down the rules, understanding how the disadvantages were and trying to, like, level the playing field. You know, a perfect example is, you know, I'm from Canada, for those who don't know, and for me to get back home, I have to drive this highway, the 81 North. And when I was reading, I was, like, so shocked that, you know, driving the 81 North, we go through Syracuse. And they destroyed a lot of black communities in Syracuse to build this, this highway that I, I love to drive through. It gets me home. And, uh, knowing that people were disenfranchised, were left homeless, were pushed out of their neighborhoods, and they recognizing that, like, hey, we need to do something about this, we need to make it right, is a great thing. And even, like, the whole clean water initiative, what's going on in Flint, Michigan, I just can't imagine, like, you can't turn on your pipe and get and, and worry about dying from the water. So I think the Democrats and Biden have been really instrumental in saying, hey, let's not just forget about the past, let's try to fix these problems and, and, and equal them out so you know, everybody in this country can have a fair equal chance of success. You, you know, what's also interesting to that point, Sean, is a lot of the talking points that we've laid out from the other components of the infrastructure plan, they all kind of tie in in different ways to the re to the racial equality and equity. Like, for instance, like during this COVID period where a lot of our students are, are homeschooling, like the, the 5G broadband, some of these kids don't have internet or don't have, you know, like it, and hopefully the, the, the studying from home will be ending soon. But like having an infrastructure where all homes across the country are able to get online would, you know, alleviate like some of these kids are unable to even do home learning with their teachers. So there's people are being and usually it's lower income, you know, the poor families, black and brown families. So there's a lot of these infrastructure plans impact and hit different depending upon your economic situation. And, I, and you know, mm -hmm. that's so true. And I think one thing the pandemic has recognized that America has race issues across all colors. Like the Mexicans have gotten hit with it. Asians now are feeling it. You know, blacks, we have all, it's like, they really, I think people are recognizing like, there's a big issue here and we have to do it economically. We have to level the playing field. Like I love what they're doing in, in Georgia where like they finally, they moved the major league all-star game out of Georgia to protest what was going on with, you know, racial equality when it comes to, you know, voting. So I think, you know, government realizing like, we, you know, we need to address this and do something that's fair and equal across all, where I think is, is, is a wonderful thing. And, you know, I hope it's more, you know, action oriented versus great speeches. Yeah, I think this is really going to level the playing field for sure. Um, and just, you know, we're, we're at a really interesting inflection point when it comes to culture and race in this country that, you know, if you look at all the prior large, you know, kind of government led spending initiatives in the past that happened in you know, the 20s and 30s, and then again, in the in the 40s and 50s, uh, post World War Two, um, you know, it was a much different climate back then across the board. People weren't thinking about gender equality or racial inequality. Um, and so this is a, a fantastic opportunity to do it the right way um, and, you know, have a lot of capital behind this to, to really make a big difference here in the, in the coming years and decades. So, Prof, I got a couple questions for you then. Sorry. Um, so, you know, a lot of the pushback is about one. What do you think? And Matt, you can answer this, too. This isn't traditional infrastructure planning. It's more like racial equality. It's more like, you know, quasi quasi things like what do you guys feel about that? This is not traditional. 
I think it's traditional in the sense that like, you know, we're going after the projects that that pay the biggest dividends over the long term and everybody uses. All right. Like, you know, you can't argue highways and airports and, and things like this because literally everybody um, needs to walk through or, or take those trains. Um, and I, I don't and I don't think that uh, you can get it done without addressing these, you know, kind of systemic inequalities that exist. Um, because it inevitably you're going to leave certain populations behind if you don't um, do this in a thoughtful way that's inclusive um, and, and recognize that there's shortfalls in the way that, um, you know, perhaps money is distributed to even get these projects off the ground. Um, you know, which populations benefit the most just because they're, you know, already positioned well to receive the funding to begin with. Um, there's all sorts of things that, you know, I don't think that we're set up properly today to be able to equitably, you know, kind of distribute the funds as they come in to these projects. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, part of the initiatives that they rolled out here helps address that so that it's, it's, it's a bit more even distribution. I would say it's traditional where it needs to be traditional and it's not where it isn't. Like there's antiquated things like, you know, from the fact that race and gender in past years and old school America infrastructure plans weren't really taken under consideration. Well, we're in a new day where new things need to be considered. And also like the broadband or the clean energy, you know, less carbon. Yeah, that's not traditional because we're in a new era where things have changed. So like the, the, the highways, the airports, that's pretty traditional and like Pratt outlined. I think that's being that's being addressed. And some of these other areas, they need to be addressed. And I think it's connected because like we're, we're a little more open. I, I think our minds have broadened on what the playing field needs. So I, I think it's that 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 type of pushback to me, I think, yeah, I think it's it's an overreaction. And here's yeah. the thing. Who says that tradition equals success? Like, I mean, this is what the millennials show. Like, you know, the, there's a time, there's a changing of the guard. Like, you know, the way government was run 100 years ago, I don't think it's, it, government should be run in the same manner. I'm just sorry. I think things change, times change. You have to, once again, adapt. So I don't think being traditional doesn't mean success. I agree. Well, yeah. one question that we definitely need to, well, another pushback point though, Sean, is, that nobody knows how many j jobs this can create. So, so I don't know, Prath, if you have any, have read any or, or know of any kind of estimations, but I mean, we, it clearly this type of plan, this infrastructure plan is going to generate jobs, but I don't know if you ever have an accurate gauge on it, but. Yeah, it's a, it's a total guess if anyone throws out, you know, a specific number, um, you know, I'm sure there's estimates out there, but it, this is a rolling thing. It's a slow drip of, you know, kind of stimulus over a long period of time and they're going to come in waves and it's, 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 you know, it's really tough to gauge today what it's going to look like. But we're already seeing the economy kind of turn a corner, right, with the jobs numbers last week and, you know, it seems like things are reopening and so you're having the benefits of the current stimulus kind of take effect. Um, and, you know, in reality, this is kind of like the second or third gear of stimulus going forward that we probably won't even see the impacts of until, you know, perhaps later this year or early next year. So well, it, it, it's tough to take a guess today. Well, I know generally on Two Black Guys with Good Credit, we're, we're talking about people's individual lives and individual credit, individual budgets and how we're paying for what we're going to pay for and how we're budgeting and what we're spending. And for uh, something like this, with an infrastructure plan with two trillion over fifteen years, how are we paying for this, Sean Prath? What, what, what's where's this coming from? 
Well, let's just start off with this, Pratt. Do you think it's from an investor type of perspective, do you think spending $2 trillion in eight years and then on a 15-year payback alone over over 15 years, you think that's a good deal? You think that's that, that makes sense to you? To me, I mean, I, I think it makes sense, but you know, I, others mm -hmm. may disagree. How, what are your thoughts? Yeah, obviously, there's a little bit of a mismatch there in terms of, you know, the hard dollars going out and how we're recouping that. But it's tough to measure the economic impact and the ripple effect that the eight or that the two trillion will have in the first eight years. One could argue that, you know, the first 500 billion will come back, you know, within a year or two after it's deployed just because of all the jobs it creates and all the economic activity that it spurs. So the 15 year payback period is really just on a dollars for dollar basis, but I think it's 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 super conservative in terms of how we think about uh, the financial benefits that comes from this. I agree. And what do you think about um, you know Trump lowered the ta corporate tax rate from thirty five to twenty one percent, and now Biden wants to bring it up to twenty eight percent to help pay this back? For a corporate guy, are you in agreement with this? You know, you took I a breath. have a lot you of took my a breath uh, there, Mr. <laughs> uh, capitalist. That would set you back a little. You don't know how to answer that one. I'd, I'd have a lot of, uh, you know, friends on, on Wall Street that would think otherwise that, you know, higher taxes aren't a, aren't a good thing for corporate America, that it makes us less competitive, that these businesses are going to go overseas and shut up, set up shops elsewhere. Um, you know, I buy some of that, but I don't buy all of it. I think, you know, there's a there's a huge level of um, social responsibility that, that corporations are continuously being asked of uh, more and more these days from shareholders and from customers and what have you. And for any company that all of a sudden relocates purely for tax purposes uh, as a result of this, you know, um, as a result of this bill, I think it's going to see a huge backlash. So there's not as much kind of free flowing nature of, you know, being able to relocate as it was five, 10 years ago uh, before like, you know, kind of cancel culture. Right. So I think companies are going to think twice about, you know, making big moves just to avoid taxes. Can't, can't Amazon just cover this bill? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Probably. You know, history shows like you need to have a place in America, you know, a boarding America where there's it's the largest demand in any country for consumer goods and services. You're not just going to abandon America because of seven percent increased tax hike when you were paying more than that four years ago. So I I think this is just greedy corporate guys just not wanting to hike, fork it out and finding every reason to say no mm -hmm. to it. But. I think in the bigger scheme of things, I think everybody will be okay with this with this tax hike. What about regular people? Are we going to see a tax hike? Well, no, you may, Matt. If you're, you're making over 400k a year, you and Prath might will you would be subject to it. But everybody less than that, Biden says he said a hundred times even during his campaign, we will not see a tax hike. Yep, yeah. and it should come out of corporations' pockets because they're they're benefiting directly from this, really, in a lot of different ways. Um, especially if you're in the industries that are going to benefit from the initial spending as well. Um, and, and I think I saw that, you know, Yellen's working with a few other kind of global finance leaders around the world from other countries to try to set a global corporate tax rate, which would then further disincentivize companies from moving offshore as well. So, you know, that, that, that could have some legs and we'll see what happens. Well, speaking of money coming out of corporations' pockets, it's time we reach into some corporate pockets and take a quick sponsored break. When we return, we'll finish breaking down President Biden's infrastructure plans. Pratt will give his overall opinion on the plan. It's our Market Watch with Cadence edition of Two Black Guys with Good Credit, so keep it locked. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. 
If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. This is our Market Watch episode. We're joined by Prath Reddy of Cadence, and we're discussing President Biden's infrastructure plans. So, Prath, overall, judging or, or taking a look at this entire infrastructure plan, are you, you know, optimistic that this is going to be an overall success, or, or what? What's your overall grade or, or thought on this? Yeah, I'm very optimistic. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it's long overdue. But frankly, you know, I think there's a little bit of a silver lining there for the fact that it was delayed so long that it got delayed into an environment here post COVID post, you know, all of the all the movements that we're seeing, uh, you know, within society that, you know, I think we're at the right inflection point, to not only, you know, kind of focus on infrastructure, but focus on the on the right things. Uh, addressing all of the ancillary things that you know could have prevented it from really being beneficial for everybody in society, and not just benefiting the, the top one percent again. So I think that that's that's a great thing, and and the timing is right. Well, there you have it, Sean. You have any final words on this topic? No, I, I echo what Prath is saying. I think timing is everything. I think, you know, it, I think because we just finished an election, and these are a lot of campaign promises that people are looking to be delivered. I think. I think it's good. I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited to take that 300 mile, 300 mile an hour train to, to Canada. I'm really looking forward to that and going into an airport and not getting lost with endless tunnels that don't make sense to me. So I think overall, and you know, I think if really people take a step back, I mean, I, we know we can't quantify how many jobs it's going to create, but we can all agree it's going to create jobs. And that's well, what one, we... Uh, one last general question. In this $2 trillion plan, should we expect that the, the regular folks are going to see another stimmy check? Is, it, or is that it? Is there any, any, any other stimulus coming to people <laughs> like that 1400? Like, do you think, is, is there a big, or is it kind of like that, that was the last, should people expect anything else or do we think that's it? 
in my view, I think that's probably it. Uh, I think it I think it was the right Band-Aid to get us through this pandemic. And now that the vaccines are rolling out and as businesses reopen and people are getting back to work, you don't need the stimulus. You know, in fact, that. Whoa, that, that, whoa. You got to get a lot of hate mail on that one. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you sure you want to say that, brother? <laughs> maybe, maybe not you everybody. You're on that one. Maybe not everybody. You're telling people no free money? <laughs> All right. It'll, well, it'll thank- all come back with this plan, though. That's that's the whole point, right? This is this is more uh, the way that I view it is that the, the the stimulus checks were like, you know, putting the car into first gear, try to get it out of the mud, and now we've gotten out of the mud, and now we got to put it into second and third gear with this bill. It's welfare. We've all been on welfare, getting government assistance checks, and you know, everybody's been uh, getting used to it, and you know, time to hey, you're out on your own, get out. Well, I mean. I don't know if people are used to it or not, but the point is with this uh, infrastructure deal, don't if you're if you're waiting for another stimulus check, don't hold your breath. You you, you got you're on your feet now, hopefully, or or if you're not, well, we gonna have to figure out another way. But self-stimulate, people, self-stimulate. I don't that not whoa, sounding, that, that, that's not sounding a perverted way, but you know what I'm saying. Like stimulate yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, Prath. On that note, we want to thank you as our honorary you know, fourth member, third member, honorary member of the band, Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We're always happy to have you. Uh, And that brings this episode of Market Watch featuring Cadence to a close. So, Pratt, you want to tell the people how they can uh, follow you, get a hold of you, stay in touch with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Always a pleasure being here, guys. Um, Yeah, for everyone who's listening, you can always reach out to me at at Pratt at withcadence.io, and you can check out the website, withcadence.io as well uh private credit offerings and, and so forth but feel free to drop me a line anytime if there's any questions at all all right well we we learned a lot today about this infrastructure plan uh i always say nothing changes if nothing changes and clearly this infrastructure plan is a change so let's see how things work out i'm matt smith uh of two black guys with good credit and i'm out i'm sean linda the better half of two black guys with good credit and like i say it's your money is your money keep it in your damn pocket and pay attention to what's going on with this uh infrastructure plan because i think we all can benefit and, and stay safe everybody and i'm out hi this is janice torres from yo quiero dinero if you own or operate a business whether it's a local operation or a global corporation Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 